0: This is Notoriously Episcopalian. My name is Kelly Hudlow. This is a podcast of sermons and musings all about the Christian faith and especially about being an Episcopalian. This is a sermon preached on Easter Sunday, April 4, 2021 at St. Barnabas Episcopal Church in Roanoke, Alabama. The principal text for the sermon was Acts, chapter 10, verses 34 through 43, Peter preaching in the household of Cornelius the centurion, and John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18, Mary Magdalene comes to the empty tomb. May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In 1943, a short novella called The Little Prince, written by a Frenchman named Antoine de saint exupery was first published in the United States. This was about a year before its author would disappear while flying reconnaissance for the Allies during World War II. He was a French aristocrat, an aviator, and had become quite a successful writer. The novella, The Little Prince, is his most successful work, selling 140 million copies worldwide since its first publication. Something in the strange story in that novella of a little prince who travels from another planet and lands in the Sahara Desert has found its way into being universal. As of 2017, The Little Prince is the most translated non-religious book, having been published in 301 different languages and dialects. It also happens to be one of my favorite books. I've read it ever since I was a kid, and there's something about how the book begins with the narrator who is a pilot talking about himself being a child and drawing a picture, and how he was consistently disappointed about when he would show his pictures to grown-ups and say, are you scared of this picture? And the grown-ups would look at it and look at the boy and say, why would I be afraid of a hat? And the boy would say, it's not a hat. It's a boa constrictor digesting an elephant. He would even go so far as to draw a second picture to show to the grown-ups of an inside view where you could very clearly see an elephant surrounded by a snake. But the grown-ups would simply shake their heads and say, you need to go learn something practical, like mathematics or geography. And so at the age of six, when nobody saw his boa constrictor digesting an elephant, they only saw a hat, he decided to give up drawing and learn to fly airplanes. And so the little prince, the main action of the story actually begins when the man is now grown and is a pilot and has crash landed his plane in the middle of the desert and is stranded with nowhere to go and only a limited amount of food and water. And one night he is sleeping and then he hears a voice wake him up saying, simply draw me a sheep. And there, the narrator looks, and there is a diminutive little blonde-haired prince asking him to draw a sheep. Now, he explains to the little prince that he had learned math and geography, he could fly a plane, but he could not draw. But the little prince says again, draw me a sheep. So, the pilot tries three times and fails all three times and in his frustration, he draws a box with air holes in it, gives it to the little prince thinking he's going to be disappointed and the little pr- prince exclaims, that is just the kind of sheep I wanted. The little prince then goes on to tell the aviator about his home planet with its volcanoes and a beautiful single rose. He tells him about the other planets that he had visited before coming to Earth and then he tells them about a fox that he met while he was on earth, which taught the little prince how to tame her in a very simple secret. The fox's secret was this. It is only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is in essential is invisible to the eye. It is only with the heart that one can see rightly. I have to imagine that for Mary on that first Easter morning, that it maybe felt like crash landing into the desert at night. The whole world turned out upside down. Everything that had gone before, the amazing things that she had watched Jesus do, the miracles, the healings, The amazing things that he taught and prayed, the love and hope that he offered, all of that she had watched be destroyed on the cross. And so she comes before the sun is even up and she comes to the tomb with nothing but her grief and her heartache. Mary is somebody that I think we can understand, right? We know what it is like to stand by a grave and grieve. We know what it is like to return to sites of devastation or disappointment or to hold on to mementos of a life in hopes that the pain will somehow ease. And so we can stand there quite comfortably with Mary when she comes to the empty tomb. And when she comes and she sees that the stone is rolled away, she looks at that tomb and she can't see the resurrection. She only sees a robbery. And she goes as you might would expect if you show up expecting to find something and it's not there she runs back to the others to say that they've taken his body and then they peter and the beloved disciple have a foot race to see who gets there first and they see the stone rolled away and they see linen wrappings folded neatly and they look in and they don't understand what they're seeing so they just go home but mary doesn't let go quite so easily Mary is locked into her grief and stays weeping at the tomb. Even when she sees the angels at the head and at the foot of where Jesus had been laid, she does not see resurrection. She only sees a robbery and she says, tell me where they have taken him. When she turns around and sees a man that she assumes is the gardener, she asks him about where maybe he took the body. In her grief, Mary can see that the tomb is empty. She can see the folded linen. She can see the angels. But with her eyes, she can't understand what has happened. She can only see defeat. But it's when she hears her name. When she hears her name, Mary, spoken in love by her teacher and her friend, that she stops looking with her eyes and starts seeing with her heart. And it's then that what had been invisible to her had been revealed. She no longer sees a grave robbery, but sees the resurrection. She no longer sees a gardener, but her savior. She no longer sees her world destroyed, but her world being made new through the resurrection of Christ and so as she runs back to the disciples this time not in grief and fear but in hope and love she proclaims i have seen the lord and now she is no longer the woman weeping but she is married the apostle to the apostles and that first easter christ broke the bonds of death and claimed victory through resurrection christ also broke open the heart of mary to see the world through the heart of god and it is through the heart of god that peter in our reading from acts finds himself standing in the house of cornelius a Roman centurion and a Gentile, and preaching Christ crucified and risen. And it is through the heart of God that the power of the Holy Spirit comes and that Peter baptizes Cornelius and his whole whole household. And when he gets back to Jerusalem and is taken to task for baptizing Gentiles, his answer is simply, who was I that I could hinder God? Peter's experience of the resurrection his experience of the risen Christ, his experience of seeing the world with his heart transformed by the love of Christ, he could understand in that moment, standing in Cornelius' house, that Jesus just wasn't the Lord of the Jews, Jesus wasn't just the Lord of the disciples that were lucky enough to meet him when he was here, that Jesus Christ was the Lord of all. And when Peter proclaims this, it's not a statement of power or of superiority. It is instead a statement of new understanding needed by the emerging Christian community that God truly shows no partiality, that the good news of God in Christ is for all, Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free, rich and poor, oppressor and oppressed. All of our carefully constructed walls of division were torn down through the resurrection on that first easter sunday in spite of that and because we are still living in the coming of the fullness of the kingdom of god each generation has done their very best to build those walls back up and each generation is so often blessed with prophets of its own day that come to try to tear those walls back down Fifty-four years ago today, Martin Luther King Jr. stood in a pulpit and preached that we need a worldwide fellowship that lifts up neighborly concern beyond one's tribe, race, class, and nation. That it is is in reality a call for an all-embracing, unconditional love for all mankind. The love that King preached that day was not some sort of weak or sentimental love. It was the love that defeated the grave through the resurrection. It was the love that is the force that allows us to see the world as it truly is, as it was created by God. As Christians, we are called to see God's creation on this side of the resurrection, through the heart of Jesus, and to see all humankind as our siblings in Christ. We are called to tear down again and again those divisive barriers that we do such a good job building up. There's no simple explanation for why The Little Prince, a strange little story about a pilot who crashes his plane in the desert and has an encounter with a young prince from another planet is so widely read. It seems to be a story that speaks to young and old across many cultures. It's the story about the beauty of the imagination of youth, about the power of love, about sadness and loneliness. But I think the reason why the story is so enduring is that it is also a mystery story. And if you haven't read it, I'm not going to tell you the, the way that it ends in detail. But I will say that the outcome of The Little Prince is left unknown. The pilot at the end of the book, who's drawn these sketches all the way through, draws a sketch of the desert where he last saw the little prince and invites the reader to be on the lookout just in case they might see the little prince there. The pilot, in the few days that he was with this strange character, was forever changed by the story of the prince and this relationship that he had with him, that now the whole world looks different. Now when he looks up into the sky, he sees the possible place where the little prince is on his little planet with his three volcanoes and his beautiful rose and his sheep in the crate. When he looks at the scene of the desert and looks at the stars, while he feels the sadness of missing the little prince, he also hears the stars laugh. And he is reminded of the joy that he had in that relationship. Mary and Peter and the disciples were forever changed by their time with Jesus. And their experience of the risen Lord transformed their hearts to see the world through the resurrection, that the grave was no longer the final destination, that sin and death no longer spoke the last word. And when they now looked at their siblings around them, they no longer saw difference, but they saw God. They no longer saw division, they saw love, and they saw family. And the amazing thing about being Christian is is that each time someone encountered one of those disciples, that that love and way of looking at the world was contagious. And so Cornelius and his household became a family, and the the people that encountered them began to see the world through the heart of God and on and on and on, right here to St. Barnabas in Roanoke, Alabama, where we come to experience the risen Jesus, to see the world through the heart of God, to, as the children of God, rededicate ourselves to this long and seemingly unending, but beautiful and loving struggle to create a new world in Christ. And so we come to experience the risen Jesus again. We experience Jesus in scripture. We experience Jesus in the community that is gathered here and in the community outside of our doors. And we experience Jesus in the Eucharist. And we do this not just so that we feel better, we do this this Easter and we do this every Sunday so that our hearts can be transformed by the powerful, resurrected love of Jesus Christ. So that when we leave this place, the people that meet us are forever transformed by experiencing that love of Christ in us. On Easter, we remember that it is our hearts transformed by the risen Christ that let us rightly see the world in each other. It is our hearts transformed by the risen Christ that let us proclaim like Mary Magdalene on that first Easter, I have seen the Lord. It is our hearts transformed by the risen Christ that let us like Peter proclaim that Jesus is Lord of all. And it is with our hearts transformed by the risen Jesus that we can again, joining with Christians around the world, say the beautiful words, Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah.